Hello, I am Emmett Shepard, and I'm the founder, coordinator, and co-host of the Play It Forward podcast, presented by Peace Players International. So who is Peace Players? For the uninitiated, Peace Players bridges divides, develops leaders, and changes perceptions. We foster friendships in divided communities. We build skills in interpersonal relationships, cooperation, and conflict resolution. We empower youth to be leaders in their communities and advocate for peace around the world. We nurture a sense of global citizenship all through the sport of basketball. For 20 years, we have been working with young people in South Africa, Northern Ireland, Israel, Cyprus, and the United States, and hope to reach even more. That's where the podcast comes in. Ginny, why don't you tell the people a little bit more about the podcast? Thanks, Emmett. My name is Chineze Nwagbo, and I am the host of the Play It Forward podcast. I am also the interim director of Peace Players Baltimore. The Play It Forward podcast is taking advantage of Peace Players Global Movement, where we lift up the voices and stories of those working in their communities to build peace and equity. From Arne Tellum with the Detroit Pistons, Chad Ford, a distinguished peace building scholar, to retired prominent athletes like Len Elmore and Elena Beard, and former Olympian Sophia Papamikolopoulos. And those are only five of the 10 leaders we have spoken to in season one, with many more to come in season two. My name is Life, and I am one of the producers for the show. And with this in mind, we've each selected one of our favorite guests and a soundbite that best exemplifies the heart and mission of the Play It Forward podcast. Emmett, why don't you go first? Thanks, Life. You know, for me, my favorite episode was with Len Elmore, where he talked about the power of your authentic voice. Check this clip out right now. And that's where today's athletes come in. And, right. and I don't think that they recognize uh, the leverage that they have, that the power that they have. I'll use the NBA as a great example. Um, when the situation happened in Kenosha with Jacob Blake and, you know, the Bucks decided not to play, then other people, other teams decided, OK, we're not going to play this game. And then other leagues, MLS, Major League Baseball, they decided, okay, for this one time, we're not going to play. So it should let you understand the power that you have. Now, imagine if they extended that. Right. Imagine if they said, we're not going to play until there's some change that we can see, tangible change right. in law. Right. Now, if they don't play, then the television networks don't televise the games. And if they don't televise the games, the advertisers aren't going to pay the networks. And if the networks aren't getting paid by the advertisers, they're not going to pay the owners. And if right. the owners don't get paid, yes, the players won't get paid either. But owners have a significant investment. Right. And the owners also deploy lobbyists to help them with zoning for their stadiums, help them with resource uh, acquisition. They help them with, you know, local, state and local you know, government regulations, et cetera, et cetera. Imagine if you tell them you got to deploy your lobbyists now to Congress, to state legislatures, to change laws and qualified immunity, you know, change the use of force laws and things like that in every state. Until you do that, we're not playing. Right. Can right. you imagine what would happen then? The power, yeah. The, the power that they have. And yes, they would sacrifice money, but in the long run, you know, I think quite honestly, one, they would make that money back. But more importantly, there would be a sense of urgency. Wow, Emmett, I remember that. That was great. For me, my favorite was Elena Beard, episode two, where she talked about sweat equity. To add to that, I, th I think another sort of uh, tough transition was that um, 
goodness, I've lost my train of thought. Um, it's okay. Take yeah. Oh, no. So, so transitioning to this space, right? And, you know, my first day, I walk into the boardroom. It's maybe like 43 <laughs> individuals sort of right, right. in that room. And I look around the table and I'm the only Black person. I'm the only person of color, right? Sitting period. at that table. And so, period. Wow. Because if you think about the venture capital space, it's 90% predominantly white male. That's right. just what it is, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking around that table, one, like, crapping myself. Like, what have I said <laughs> yes to, right? But I, I that's right. exactly why I said yes, because I knew it would push me outside of that comfort zone. And mm-hmm. I'm looking around the table, like, who's going to help me get through this? Who's going to, who's going to guide me? Who's going to, who's going to help me walk through this? It moves right. so fast. I'm not saying that I didn't have like amazing people in my corner. I did. But in terms of feeling comfortable right. enough to speak on what you don't know and what you need help with, that was extremely hard for me because yeah. I, I, I expected me to know. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah. um, but no, it's the transition is the transition is tough, but that's why I sort of created not sort of, but that's why I created transition play one based off my experiences, but two right. as a way to pay it forward. This is a pay for-profit for business, but I also believe that the, the, the network that I was capable of building over 20 years, it's extremely valuable. It's valuable right. to me. Right. And I know that people, a lot of athletes don't necessarily get the same access that I get. And if yeah. I can open up my network to sort of provide opportunities and position athletes to better prepare themselves to transition to life after the game, right. I think it's athletes are so valuable to these companies. They just yeah. don't understand how their skills are transferable. It's up yes. to And that's what mm-hmm. we're doing. We're working. Mm-hmm. We want to help you understand that. We want to yeah. take you on a journey to where when you when you get to that end and it's going to come, it may come sooner right. than you think. You're ready to, to smoothly transition into something else. Uh, I love that clip with uh, Elena Chinney. Uh, my favorite clip and uh, episode is with Sophia Papamikalopoulos, uh, episode nine called Dream Chasers. Because the Turkish uh, Republic of Northern Cyprus is not in- internationally recognized by any major authority, including the IOC, it has no Olympic committee. Therefore, all Cypriot Olympians are required to compete under the name and the flag of the Republic of Cyprus. Um, mm-hmm. And that means that Turkish Cypriots who are, una- who are unable or unwilling to compete under the flag of the Republic of Cyprus either compete for Turkey uh, or for another country or not at all. So I'm interested to know your thoughts about the strong presence of this divide between Turkish Cypriots and, and, and Greek Cypriots as it pertains to sports, still in sports, right? And how you're using your platform to ensure that Cypriots, uh, Cyprus comes together as a nation to rise above this conflict. I know that was quite wordy, but just wanted to get it out there. No, you put it um, very nicely. Um, so I think, first of all, in order to rise above the conflict, I think we need to start from the grassroots up and not from politics down. And I think um, the work that Peace Players does is amazing. And that's why I connected with them in Cyprus and and, um, wanted to get involved. And um, so my dad's a refugee. So um, my dad's family lost their home when the conflict happened in 1974. And um, it's, um, I think for my generation, it's weird because we didn't live through the conflict, but we grew up with this border um, across the country. And um, 
not really knowing anything about the other community and about the North. Um, and first time I um, had any contact with um, Turkish Cypriots or Turkish speaking Cypriots um, was when I uh, attended a bicommunal summer camp in the mm. US mm. Um, organized by Fulbright. And that oh, Fulbright's was a great a, program. Yeah. And that was such an eye-opening experience. And ever since, and also because I was um, I was so involved in sports, um, I've always been passionate about um, creating a peace-building activity through sport Very nice. on Very the nice. island as well. <clears throat> I mean, if you look at the Olympic Games, they I mean, the whole Olympic movement, it has such a great power to bring people together. Right. And, Very. Um, it has this huge impact. And I was at I was in the Olympic Stadium in Pyeongchang at the Winter Games in Korea when the Korean athletes marched in under one flag. And yes. that was such an amazing moment. And I just thought to myself, why can't we do that? Our podcast embodies a larger perspective that connects us all beyond sports and its immediate physical health benefits. And we do all that by way of a simple, thought-provoking conversation with me and Chinny, a conversation intended to use the transformative power of sports to build a global youth movement. And I believe this is why we should win. And thank you for your consideration.